Thank you, Lord, that we are free to be what you've made us to be because of your love for us first. And now, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to receive the word, we open our hands, we open our hearts, we open our spirit to receive. Lord God, the word that you have through your servant, our friend, Pastor Ben, Lord, and we just pray, Lord, that you'd speak. Lord God, a word that will bring transformation. Lord, that's what we need. Come and speak to us, Lord, the fullness of what you have for this hour, for this day, in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the things I'm profoundly grateful for in this house is the reverence for the Word of God, and that it is not about who's delivering the Word, but it's about the Word itself. And I'm always grateful for how God delivers the Word through His people, through so many different ones. Thank you to Andrew and Peg for bringing the Word the last couple of weeks, for Pastor Bren, who's bringing the Word today. And I've as I was kind of laying out the series and things like that in the Beatitudes, uh, just lining up folks who actually not just speak this word, but embody this. So this is a man who embodies the word that we're going to receive today. So thank you, and could you join me in welcoming Pastor Ben? Blessed are the meek. Um, went, out with, went out to lunch with Brian and Peg last week uh, after, after uh, service and got to talk, to talk to Peg for a while and she says, Pastor Jim makes it look so easy. Oh. Uh, one of the things she, she kind of had to hurry through her notes at the end there. One of the things she really felt compelled and uh, just the toge- togetherness, how we as a body need to mourn together, how we as a body need to uh, be there for one another, how we... Uh, we need to be there for Peg this week. We need to mourn together. Another thing she said that she didn't really get a chance to dive into super deeply was the mourning for our own sin. Mourning for brokenness. Mourning for the thing that separates us from the Lord. The thing, the thing that breaks his heart. The thing that we need to mourn over that. We look at the Beatitudes, we look at the, the, this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uh, lived 30 years up till this point. I learned a few things along the way. It says he, he, uh, he gets before his disciples, and there happened to be a crowd there. Crowd got to lit, listen in to what Jesus was teaching. It says Jesus actually sat down. I saw Pastor Jim sitting down on the stage. I thought that would be pretty cool. <laughs> Can't really do it here. Uh, Jesus sat down. I always picture his Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to 5,000 people, you know. But he's sitting down and he's talking. He's having conversation. He's saying, basically laying out what this Christian, what, what Christianity, what what this Christian life, what walking with Jesus looks like. You know, he gets uh, after the Beatitudes, he kind of describes the Beatitudes, and then he talks about giving, he talks about fasting, he talks about prayer, he talks about what this Christian thing is all about. And, and he gives these Beatitudes, it's, in that time it was countercultural, in our time it's countercultural, and really about... Two, three years ago, we did a sermon series here called uh, Kingdom Culture and how kingdom culture transcends all other earthly cultures. 
how the kingdom culture is completely different than what we see culture today. And this is one of those things, the Beatitudes is one of those things that the world's perspective, we wouldn't see somebody that's mourning and say, man, they're such a blessed person. It doesn't make sense to our, to our, our earthly culture. It doesn't make sense to our, the way we live. It doesn't make sense to be poor in spirit. Somebody that's poor in spirit is so blessed. No, our, our culture, culture says if they, got, if they got money, if they got the goods, if they got outward expression, that's, that's blessing. Right? But Jesus said, he, he didn't just leave it, those who mourn are blessed, those who are poor in spirit are blessed, those who are meek are blessed. He, he went a little bit further and he went beyond, he said, uh, those who mourn, because they'll be comforted. Right? There, there's fruit that comes. There's something that th- this whole message, could, you know, it was the year of favor. This whole thing could go right back to last year's theme. Growing maturity. The Beatitudes of what, go, what goes on in, in our heart and what goes on in our life and the way God uses those things to mature us. The way God uses, uses things in our life to, to, to cause our roots to go deeper. The, the way God uses, uses things in our life to enhance our relationship with one another, enhance our relationship with Him. He uses brokenness. He uses mourning. We're talking about this morning, blessed are the meek. Now, when Pastor, this is one of those words that's, there's a lot of definition, there's a lot of things, and I think one of the things that we, we talk about and we think about, we, we talk about a, a meek person, we hear it in the, in the hymns, we hear it at Christmas, meek and mild, right? We think meek, it just means somebody that's kind of weak. Is that, is that just me that thinks that way, or is... I think that's true. So when Pastor Jim asked me to speak on meek, I, I, you know, my flesh was like, is he calling me weak? <laughs> Not at all. No. We're going to get into this morning, talk about, talk about what, what is this word meek. And uh, yeah, it's good stuff. So Matthew 5.5, 5, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. In the message, it says it this way, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. It's the moment you find yourself proud owners of what can't be bought. So just uh, going to define it, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some examples of people that lived it out in Scripture. I'm going to give you some examples of people that lived it out. I'm going to talk about uh, in the New Testament how it calls us to put on meekness, just some different encouraging Scriptures to us, what our calling is in this, and then we're, we're going to talk about how do we pursue it? How do we, how do we 
pursue meekness. We want to be content. We want to be... Here, here's uh, Charles Spurgeon's definition. It is humble, gentle, patient, forgiving, and content. It delivers us from pride, harshness, anger, vengeance, and ambition. I looked at so many different meanings and definitions and so many different... Uh, I think this is the... the the one that really captured and, and, and said it very clearly, what it means. How many of you guys want to be meek? Sounds good, doesn't it? Another uh, thing that kind of over and over again talked about submission. I know that's kind of one of those words that's submit. And it's not a submit. It's a, I'm sub, I'm underneath somebody else's mission. I'm 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 submitting. I'm submitting. I'm underneath somebody else, and and that's really what this Christian walk is all about. I'm under somebody else's mission. It's not about me and my mission. I'm under Jesus's mission. So we're going to look at some different uh, people in Scripture that lived it out. First of all, Jesus. You want to be like Jesus, right? Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. In the, that is actually the only other time, if you go back to the Greek, when, it's, when he says on the Sermon on the Mount, the, the word he uses, is the only, this is the only other time he, the, that word is used in the New Testament. Gentle and humble of heart. That word uh, in the in the King James says, "I am meek and humble of heart." You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's who Jesus is. You look at what, the way Paul. Uh, I think Second uh, Corinthians ten. He's he's writing one of his letters. And he, he says, "I I urge you in the gentleness of Christ Jesus." in the meekness of Christ Jesus. It, further on in Jesus' life, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Actually, before I read that, I want to go uh, a little bit further on in, uh, early in that passage. So earlier in that passage, First uh, Peter two, starting in verse eighteen, it says, "Slaves, submit to your su submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, because he he is conscious of God." Commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because of the of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a, a, a beating for doing wrong or endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. 
committed no sin. No deceit was found in him, in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. He suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sin on the body of a tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. He set an example for us. What meekness is, it's, it's, he embodies meekness. Part of what meekness is, is, is who he is. Some of you have co-workers that are hurling insults. Some of you have teenagers that are saying some harsh things. How do you take that in meekness? Meekness diffuses anger. Well, let's look at a couple other examples here. Paul. Now, now Paul, you look at the life of Paul. He had a, a radical experience with the Holy Spirit. Jesus came, knocked, knocked him off his feet, blinded him, had a radical encounter with, with Jesus, changed and transformed his life. He begins to go all over the world preaching, teaching the gospel, teaching the, the message of the good news. Uh, half the New Testament is written by him. He's, he's pouring his life out for people. He's pouring his life out for discipling people, training people, equipping people, planting churches. Doing, he's doing stuff, Right? Oh, he's doing stuff. He's doing stuff. He's making all. He's traveling all over the place. He's getting shipwrecked. He's getting beaten. He's getting uh, sleepless nights, tired nights. He's laying his life down for people. He's on trial, and this is what he says in First uh, Timothy or Second Timothy four sixteen. At my first offense, no one came to my court. Everyone deserted me. Paul, this guy who's, who's going all over the world, pouring into people. He's pouring into people. Nobody came to his defense. Nobody was there. Imagine what that would be like for you. Would you hold the offense? Would you hold the grudge? I'm going to tell you part of what meekness does is it lets go of the offense. Paul, he's laying his life, pouring his life out as a drink offering for people. He's laying his life down for people. He's, it's his, his life, his mission was about people, getting the gospel message to people, to people that hadn't heard it. He was, it was about people. Then in his most trying time, in the most trying need, need, at my first defense, no one came to my support. No one was there. Everyone deserted me. You know what it's like to be deserted? Some of you, some of you from a very young age are dealing with that spirit of somebody deserting you. 
Some of you, the, the Holy Spirit, even now, is touching on something. Somebody's deserted you, and that, that, that second part of that, may it not be held against them. We don't want it held against them. Meekness lets it go. Meekness walks in forgiveness. This is the same Paul who, actually one of my, he, this is toward the end of his life. He's in, he's, in, he's in Romans. He's in prison. And this is what he writes about the same people that deserted him. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Doesn't sound like a grudging person, does it? Doesn't sound like somebody that's holding, holding grudges. Doesn't sound like somebody that's holding this. Everybody deserted me. He actually, there was such a work and heart for people in him and the, the, the meekness and the, the Holy Spirit working in him that e even though they deserted him, even though they didn't, they weren't there for him, he could let it go. And, and to the point where he stands before God and says, I love these people so much. And if they don't know you and they don't get the opportunity to know you, cut me off. Cut me out of your book. I wish I was cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my fellow brothers and sisters. You get the, the depth and the, the meaning of Man, what heart in relationship and what heart, what meekness does for your heart for people? What meekness does, the way you view one another, the way we view each other. You know, we, we, we talk about the progression of the Beatitudes. We talked about it first week, we're poor in spirit. We don't have it. Second week, we talk about those who mourn. We talk about mourning over sin. We, there, there's something about, uh, uh, sin separates us from God. Something about mourning over sin, mourning over our heart, mourning over, uh, then it comes to meekness, and meekness is actually even more wide open than that. It comes to the point where People are saying about you what you've been saying about yourself all along. Some of the, we'll, we'll keep going here. The Canaanite woman. Let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 15. is meekness lived out again. 
Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the, the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him, urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. She's so annoying. Get her out of here. He answered, I was sent only the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, can you just imagine for a moment being in this, in this place, Jesus sitting with his disciples? Jesus is sitting with his disciples and this woman comes up, Jesus, help me. And he ignores her completely. And he ignores her. She could have been very easily offended. She could have very easily held something against him. She could have very easily said, Psh, forget you then, Jesus. He ignored her. Then, then the disciples are saying, man, she is so crazy. She's annoying. She's crying out after you, Jesus. Get her out of here. Offended. Then he calls her a dog. Opportunity for offense. Are you getting the, the theme of this story? There's opportunity for offense, but she kept coming. She kept pursuing. She kept going after. You know, this was the disciples were one saying, send her away. She's annoying. Get her out of here. Those are the, the people that were hanging out with Jesus. The people that hang out with Jesus, guess what? If you're part of a body, we're broken, we're hurting, we're, you're going to get offended. There's times where people are going to hurt you. There's times, there's opportunities for, it's part of relationship, it's part of walking together, it's part of living life together. There's going to be opportunities for offense. There's going to be opportunities to hurt one another. Not saying it's always intentional, or it, but it's part of living life together. We're, we're going to hurt each other. We're going to say stupid things. We're going to do stupid stuff. What do you do with it? You hold on to it and say, I'm, I'm going on to the next church. Forget this. What do you do with it? We got to learn to walk it out together. We got to learn to live life together. We got to learn to grow in this. Part of meekness is saying, I, you know what? I was offended. We got to work this out. Canaanite woman. She had opportunity to be offended over and over and over. Keep going here. They didn't give me a lot of time to preach this morning. David, I'll just uh, reference it here quick. Oh, I'll let it go.
2 Samuel 16. So a guy named Shemi, 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 I think his name is. He basically comes and he curses David. He's throwing rocks. He's throwing dirt. He's throwing rocks, right? And this is, this is a king getting rocks thrown at him. And then uh, Abishai, one of David's guys, says, uh, said to the son of Uriah, said to this, said to the king, why should you deal with this dog? Why should this dead dog curse my, my lord and king? Let me go over and cut off his head. You know, David had power. He could have said, yeah, this guy's annoying. Get him out of here. I, I can't deal with this anymore. Right? He had the power to do that. Uh, part of walking in meekness is we're dealing with each other's junk. We're dealing with each other's garbage. We're dealing with each other's mess. We're dealing with we're mess. This messy life is together. Sometimes people's mess rubs against your mess. Sometimes, ah. You know what I'm saying? Abishai says, Listen, let me go cut off his head. David could have said, sure, go. Yeah, take care of him. But David's response is, no, no, we're, we're going to, uh, as much as this guy is annoying me. David then said to Abishai and his, his officials, my son who is who's of my own flesh is trying to take my life, how much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. Now, now, I think Dave was maybe seeing a little bit of the, the God's heart in the Beatitudes right here when he says, it may be that the Lord will see my distress, repay me with good for this cursing I'm receiving today. So David and his men continued going on the road while Shemi was, was going along the hillside opposite of him, cursing as he went, throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. Then the king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. Guess what? Dealing with people is exhausting sometimes. It is. Dealing, dealing with each other, dealing with stuff, it's tiring. It's exhausting at times. Here, here Shemi is, is like, they're going down the road, and here he's up on the hills throwing rocks, throwing dirt, screaming, cursing. David's putting up with it. Meekness lived out. Now, the guy I wanted to really talk about was Moses. Moses was a very humble man, the more humble than anyone else in the face of the earth. I think you wrote that. (laughs) 
you think of some of this stuff Moses had to deal with, with people? I think of in Numbers chapter 16, there's Korah. Korah and his 250 leaders come out and they're like, started complaining and, and basically, who, who put you in charge, you idiot Moses? And Moses' response, you look at Moses' response, uh, when you first read it, it's kind of weird. But Korah and his 250 leaders come, you look at the, what, what Moses had to deal with and, and what he had to go through and, 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 and his life and the process God took him through in his life and, and how God called him in the burning bush and said, I've got a job for you to do, Moses. I want, I want you to go lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. I want you, they've been in slavery for 400 years. That's longer than the United States has been in existence. Two million people. I want you to lead them out of slavery. God shows up, does amazing things, uh, starts feeding them, starts, uh, you know, they're, they're walking, go out every morning and there's, there's bread stuff, locust, uh, whatever it's called, manna. Manna on the grass, and they're they're eating. They're they're being fed. They're being God is doing amazing things. He's showing them powerful things. They're they're seeing it with their own eyes. Even just the leading them out of out of Egypt, God did amazing things. Right? He did amazing things. God God was doing it. Moses the whole time is had a relationship with with God and had this special he would said he would go away to the mountain and, and God would speak to him face to face like a friend meeting with a friend. Moses, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to lead the people of, of Israel out of Egypt. But you're the you're my man. You're the guy I'm going to be talking to. You're the guy I'm, that's in charge. You're the guy I'm going to be. And Moses' response was like, me? Really? You got the wrong guy. I'm not, I'm not good, good, good at talking. I'm not good at, uh, really me? So that was, that, was, that was how God called Moses. Moses, and he, and he says, you know, God showed him powerful things, did amazing things through him. But Moses kept the attitude of humility his whole life. In leading the people, Finally, he's, he's leading them. God's showing them amazing things. They're blessed more than they've ever been blessed before. And Korah, Korah and his 250 leaders come along, and they're like, what, who put you in charge? And Moses' response is he bows down. His response was bowing down. Like something in his heart was like, you know what, God? I didn't really want this in the first place. You know, you know the, the story. Moses says, all right, God's going to show you who's in charge. It's not me, it's him. God wants to show you, Korah, and all your sons. He wants to show the people of, people of Israel what's going on here. He says, I want you and all your 250 leaders, all your wives, children, belongings, everything, get them outside the tent. I want you to, and Moses says to everybody else in Israel, get back. 
And what happened? The ground came and swallowed up the sons of Korah. Another time uh, in, in uh, Numbers 21, they started grumbling and complaining and, oh, it was better in, better in Egypt. We could have eaten better. We could have, you know, we're sick of eating the same thing every day. And, uh. Moses, humble man. You know, in uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 10, when uh, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says, watch out for sexual immorality, uh, as, as they were dealing with that back in 2,000 years ago, back in, in Egypt, watch out for that. He says, uh, watch out for grumbling and complaining, because as some of them did, watch out for, watch out for testing the Lord, as some of them did. And he, and he, and he says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10 several times, I've written these things down for examples to, for you to follow. Now, if they were dealing with that 2,000 years ago in Corinth and 4,000 years ago in Egypt, I wanna, we're still dealing with it today. He gives specific examples of things that happened along the way. He's saying, be careful, watch out, stay away from that stuff. Grumbling and complaining, testing the Lord, grumbling against leadership. There's a price to pay when you grumble against leadership. So, uh, keep moving on here, sorry. Uh, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the earth. You know, it came to the end of Moses' Moses' life in... uh, and he's interceding it's the same way he, he was inter, Paul was interceding for his people. Uh, Moses was interceding for, for these people. These people that tried him, tested him, serving other gods when he would go up on the mountain. They, you know, ah, these people are so frustrating. But Moses still had a heart for the people the whole time. Uh, just, we'll go, meekness, our calling, teaching. In teaching, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to knowledge of the truth. In teaching, we got to be meek. In witnessing and discipleship, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer, everyone who gives the reason for the hope you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping the clear conscience so those who speak maliciously against you. Your good behavior in Christ may, may be ashamed for their slander. In conflict, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore a person gently. Watch out yourself is also not tempted. May not be tempted. Here's just some supporting, supporting scriptures for what we're talking about. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, 
Dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, always be gentle toward everyone. You getting the, you getting the theme of gentleness? So how do, we, how do we develop it? We walk in the Spirit. There, there's a supernatural element to being meek. It's not something we can effort. We can put all this, I'm going to be meek, I'm going to be meek, I'm going to be meek. It's some, there's something supernatural about it. There's something the Holy Spirit has to develop in us. There's something the Holy Spirit has to do in us. We walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We walk with others. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give everyone who had a need. Every day continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and were glad with, and, with glad and sincere hearts. Walk with others. And then this walk with others... In meekness, uh, there's scripture that says don't, uh, Proverbs says don't become friends with a man that's angry or a man that's given to anger. Watch who you're hanging out with. Ephesians Ephesians 5.15 says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. And then it goes on to sing, sing to each other in, in hymns, songs, spiritual songs. Uh, don't get drunk with wine. It's talking about that togetherness, being together. It's developing something in us. Walk in the light. Same way with walking with others. If we go in, uh, uh, in 1, John, 1 John chapter 1, let me go there quick. I think this, is a, this ties right into that Acts Acts 2 scripture, 1 John 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. So in walking in the light, this is the message you've heard from, from him and, declare, and we declare to you, God is light in him, there's no darkness at all. If we, we claim to have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So in, in, that, in that passage of scripture, it, it talks about walking in the light. And if we want to walk in the light with the Lord, we want to walk in fellowship with the Lord, we've got to walk in the light with one another. And how the, the two, did you, did you hear how it says, you walk in the darkness... We claim to have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness. We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship with God. We say we have fellowship with God, yet we're walking in the darkness. It actually affects our relationship with one another. But we walk in the light as he is in the light. We walk in the light. I think you go back to that, that Acts scripture. They devoted some of the apostles' teaching to fellowship. The word fellowship 
means it doesn't mean we're staying at the surface. We're staying at Facebook level friends. We're, we're actually going to go deep. We're going to talk about something meaningful. We're going to talk about that thing that brings us together is our brokenness. The thing that brings us together is our need for the cross. The thing that brings us together is we need what Jesus did for us. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. We walk in the light. We have fellowship with one another. You want to have deep, meaningful relationship with somebody? Walk in the light with them. Walk in a place where, you know what, I'm a broken, hurting I don't have it all together. We do a really good job of covering up and walking in darkness, don't we? This is the message we have heard. Psalm 37, let's end there. This, is, this gives it some, uh, yeah, the compare and contrast of uh, what, what meekness is. Do not fret because evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like, like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Com- commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will, he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. In a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. The meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Keep digging in that. Keep There's so much there. That's how we cultivate. We, we cultivate meekness by living life together. Not holding on to offenses. Not holding on to bitterness. Not holding on to, man, I poured my life into them. I did so much for them. And nothing in return. Don't hold on to that. Some of, you, some of you have children at, that are not walking with the Lord right now. Don't allow it to become bitterness. You poured into them. They'll return. So we've been, uh, the Lenten season, we've been doing Lenten small groups. I encourage you, it's still not too late to get involved in a Lenten small group. Some really good discussion, really good. But it's one of those ways we can live life on a deeper level together. Meekness, meekness comes and it's developed together. And no, we're not all just perfectly meek in every situation and circumstance. It's, it's something that God does and God develops and God works in our life.
We said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I want to just go back to the, the message passage once real quick. You're blessed when you're content with who, just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. Jesus, we want to be, stand before you, blessed. God, would you develop and create Go deep in our heart, the spirit of meekness. God, if there's any offense here, if there's any offense between brothers and sisters, husbands, wives, parents, children, God, would you help us to be meek? Help us to let that go. Help us to walk in forgiveness. Help us to walk in humility. just going to give you uh, some moment in time to respond to this. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Think about that picture. Holy is the lamb. What more meek than the lamb? The lion of Judah who became the lamb of God. Sacrifice for us. Jesus, we're in awe of what you have done. And we receive, Lord God, your sacrifice today. We receive, Lord God, the gift of meekness into our lives, Lord Jesus. Help us to walk in this reality, we pray. And now with open hands, receive the benediction. I pray that you'd be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations, go with the banner of his favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that his love and mercy and goodness will chase you down every day of your life. Be blessed, people of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.